0: Well, hello there, and welcome back to the Pursue Your Spark podcast. I'm your host, Heike Yeats, and this is a show that empowers women over 50 to take back their health and strength with simple fitness strategies. Many of us are dealing with feelings of guilt, overwhelm, and the feeling that we're not enough and We have been brought up with an old belief system that no longer serves us. And my guest, Cherise Glenn today, is putting a light on how we can overcome those feelings and how we can create more white space or declutter our life to live the life we deserve and desire. She's helping us to put up or pull up our bootstraps and... Create that new belief system that takes us forward rather than holds us back. Before we dive into today's episode, please leave a review on the Apple podcast. I would love it. And without further ado, let's dive into today's interview with Therese Glenn. Hi there, you're listening to the Pursue Your Spark podcast. I'm your host and fitness warrior, Heike Yates. And on this show, we empower women over 50 to take back their health and strength with sound fitness, nutrition, and mindset strategies. Our guests on the show share their honest stories so that you'll have the courage to take action, knowing that you're not alone in your struggles. Well, hi there, everybody. It's Heike, and I'd like to welcome our guest for today, and it's Cherise Glenn. She's a casting director, international equestrian, and creator of The Let Go. Therese is serving as a role model for both men and women by embracing the freedoms age provides. Welcome to the show, Therese. Hi, thank you for having me. Oh, Therese, I need to ask you the question. What
1: does a casting director do? Oh, wow! Well, so I'm a commercial casting director, and basically I find the people to be in the commercials. So I find the actors to be in the commercials, and it's a process of, you know, uh, putting the breakdown out, contacting the agents. They submit the pictures back to me. I choose those pictures. I bring those actors in. I interview them. I put them through a little scene. I make a link that goes to the... Um, the director and the producer and the advertising agency—they look at it, they pick who they like. They come back in, we do it again, and then they choose who they like. So basically, I'm I'm the person finding the cast for the commercials.
0: How interesting! Because when I thought that you're a casting director, I was really curious of what it
1: could, what that means. So thanks for sharing that. You're welcome. You know, a friend of mine who actually just passed away—an older casting director—he said, "We're we're uh, waiters and waitresses. We take people's orders and we deliver people. So that was his <laughs> very simplistic way of looking at it. I don't quite see it that way, but okay.
0: <laughs> There's a lot more behind it, I'm sure, as you just explained.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Teresa, I want to know, or my listeners want to know more about you too. What, what were you like when you grew up? Where did you grow up?
1: Um, what was I like? Uh, I think I was the same as I am now. I, I was born in California. I grew up, uh, we traveled a lot. We moved around a lot as a child. Uh, mainly I lived on the coastal towns of California, but when I was eight years old, we moved to Europe for a year and then, uh, came back. I ended up being going to junior high and high school in Newport beach was the longest place I'd lived at that point in time. And then, um, I graduated early I graduated when I was 16 and I was I had a pretty free spirit so I moved to Jackson Hole Wyoming for a year to ski with the um, thought that I was going to come back and go to college which I did and I went one year I dropped out I moved to Hawaii I lived off the grid for I was in Hawaii six years I lived off the grid for about three and a half and then I moved to New York and then I moved to Paris And then I moved back to Los Angeles and I've been here. And that's when I started my casting company. My mother was a casting director. My stepfather uh, was a stuntman. My biological father is why we moved to Europe because he was a fashion designer. And uh, here I am. (laughs) (laughs) That's it in a nutshell.
0: (laughs) Wow, this is a fascinating life and events and things you tried and, and lived. Very fascinating.
1: Yeah, well, thank you. I mean, I could go into all of those in expansion, but I know that's not what we're talking about today. <laughs> it's yeah, all on ta- my blog, though. <laughs> we're talking about how to
0: old, outgrow old beliefs, and I want to start with the your love for horses. This is, I think, a good start of your story of how to, out, how to outgrow old beliefs.
1: Okay. You love um, horses. I love horses, and... Horse people, we always say we're born with a gene and the gene is that we like to carry around buckets because that's what you do with horses. But I honestly, I don't, um, I don't remember a moment in my childhood where I wasn't horse um, obsessed. My biological father and my actually stepfather were b- both horsemen, but my biological father, I think the first time I rode alone was on a pony when I was about four. And then I begged for a horse my whole life as a child and I never got one. So when I was 19 and I'd moved to Hawaii, I bought my first horse and I'm nearly 63 and I've had a horse ever since. Where did you so, get the funds um, for
0: buying the horse?
1: You know, I always worked. I, I, I worked to make enough money to go skiing in Jackson Hole. I, um, I used to sew. Um, and I that's how I made the money for skiing I sewed clothes and so I sewed and I sold and then Hawaii what was I doing I was doing all kinds of things I actually ended I probably had the money when I first got there because I bought the horse when I first arrived but I um, got my real estate license when I was 19 years old when I was in Hawaii and then I got my broker's license so I've always been a worker you know I've always kind of supported myself and and my own way <laughs> that's awesome that is awesome because a horse is from what I
0: hear is really expensive for the upkeep and the horse itself but- you, you know you're
1: that's true if you're living in an urban society in Hawaii I lived on eight acres so the horse lived in my backyard it ate the grass I didn't have to buy food for it and it I didn't have to pay for board so the most expensive part of it was the purchase of her and then of course the saddle and the equipment you need, but that's a one kind of one-time purchase. And you know there are a few you know, supplements and things that you, I needed to feed, but because she lived on this huge pasture, I really didn't need to spend a lot of money on, on the upkeep. Oh, that's very cool. And you got your grass mode too. Yes, exactly. Well, that was one of the, the good perks because we had a lot of rats. And if the grass was too high, the rats would propagate. Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, when you bought your horse, you rode or you competed
1: in 100-mile horse races. When did that start, Therese? Okay, so that, I didn't do that then, although it's interesting because when I did live there, I did long-distance riding. We would, I would ride... Um, from up country down to the beach and back it was 25 miles and um, and go into the crater and we'd camp for a week. And So I did adventurous things, but I didn't do the 100 mile racing. That didn't start until um, probably in my uh, mid thirties when I was in Los Angeles, I had um, a horse here and I ended up meeting somebody that did endurance. Long story short, he had asked me to start training for him um, because, just because. And that's when it started and it became my passion because it completely fit my personality. (laughs) I I like to be alone. I like to be out in the wild. Um, I love the connection between the horses. And the, the horses are actually why I started my blog, The Let Go, because what I learned from horses is really the foundation of my life and it was uh, the creation of the let go was a way for me to be able to express the lessons that i 've learned, but part of um, having the horses and living and and riding them and being able to be out there gives you a lot of time to kind of see who you are and I know this is a question we 're going to expand on later, but one of the things I needed to prove to myself all my life was that I was tough enough and strong enough and By doing a hundred mile race I was proving to myself that I was tough enough and strong enough and so it it was kind of twofold it served a lot of purposes in my life and it's um, they say once an endurance rider always an endurance rider and the lessons I've learned and the experiences I've had with it will stay with me forever I can imagine I've only been on a horse like by myself
0: riding it I think twice in my life the first time they said, here's the horse, take the reins. I had no idea what I was doing. They're like, no, go ride a horse. And they're like, go. So I was like, so I rolled over the head of the horse and ended up on the ground.
1: It's much harder than people think. Oh, God. You know, which which is interesting. You know, in casting, um, I cast a lot of sports and things. And that used to be one of my fortes. But whenever I would have to do horse things, you ask the actors, Uh, can you ride a horse, and everybody says yes, and most people are lying, Um, so it got to the point where you actually had to audition the actors with a horse, on a horse, doing what you wanted them to do to make sure they actually could do it, and I thought, it's funny, because if you ask somebody, can you skydive, people are going to go, no, if they can't do it, right, but of course, everybody thinks they can ride a horse, it's just, I don't know what it is. It's in our, it's, 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 I don't know. Is it genetic? It's because we watched Western our whole life. I don't know. It's because it's you a know funny the thing though.
0: The second time I was exposed to horseback riding, I was in Ecuador on vacation on an adventure trip. And they had horseback riding on there. And I was like, great, I can do this. I mean, I can sit on the horse and trot along. I can do this. Lo and behold, they had two different groups, the beginner and the advanced horseback rider. And I was put in the advanced horseback rider. I'm like, what am I doing there? I don't know anything. And we took off. And I thought I was going to pee in my pants. (laughs) I was like, (laughs) this is really fast. Oh, my God, we're going up and downhill. And we're galloping. And I'm like, I don't know how to canter. Let's see what the gaucho does. Let's follow him.
1: (laughs) Well, you you were lucky to have stayed on and not killed yourself. I know afterwards, yeah. I'm thinking, oh, been, my God. Yeah, so, must have been a good course to, to be able to follow along the others. It's, I don't
0: know, I make them. I was like, okay, I'll be fine. But <laughs> let's get back to our topic, to outgrow old belief systems. When did you start first noticing that the old beliefs you had or the old belief system is no longer serving you and something had to change?
1: That's such a big question. So, um, well, what kind of spurred the let go was a situation where I, I found myself, well, because of me, I was single. And I was looking at my life, looking at, okay, what's working and what's not working? What aspects do I like about my life? What aspects do I not like about my life? And the ones that I didn't like, okay, how do I change those? Was like that's a big question how do i how do i change this how do i change this behavior so one of the things that i specifically wanted to work on was i've been you know self-sufficient solo um i can do it all kind of woman i was a superwoman that could do it all work do 100 mile races bring in the you know bring in the money Muck my stalls, fix the water pipe, you know, I could do it all. And I was getting really tired of that. And I looked around at my girlfriends and said, What, how come their life seems so much easier than mine? And what they had was a quality that I didn't realize I was lacking until I saw it in them. And when I first saw it in them my first reaction was it was a weakness and then i saw that it was a strength and that quality that they had was they were vulnerable and that they weren't afraid to ask for help so i acknowledged that it felt true i feel like you have to like swallow your thoughts just to, to feel is this true for me because what may be true for me may not be true for you so i sat with it it's like yeah that felt true that was a strength and I wanted that. So how do I get that? So then I did self-study and I've been, I've always done self-study. I've been a meditator most of my life, I've done yoga. I've, I, 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 I am a soul, I'm a searching soul. So I started to go back um, in my younger years to see what were the thoughts, because our thoughts is what creates everything, right? It's what we, what we, what our input is and those come in The thoughts come in and they become our belief systems and become our behaviors. So what were the thoughts that were given to me? What was society? You know, it's you know, though that that comes in, but I kept hearing my mother go, you gotta be strong, you can do it on your own, you don't need a man. She was a single mom or a single woman. And I was like, Yeah, that was it, but keep going back. And I kept hearing different thoughts, different thoughts, and it still didn't feel like it was the the seed, and I wanted, I was determined to get to that seed. And then all of a sudden, I stopped on this memory when I was three years old. And I had remembered the situation my whole life. I didn't have a charge on it anymore. But I looked at it, and what it was, I was alone with my father. It was nighttime. I think my mother was working. My brother was in the house somewhere. He's a year older than I. And I, and as, a, as an, uh, an aside, my father was an alcoholic. Um, I went into the living room and I asked him for something. Remember, I'm three years old. I was hungry, I had to go to the bathroom, I was hurt, I don't know, I asked him for something. I needed something. And his response to me was picking me up and throwing me against the wall. So what that did, and I saw it as clear as day, as an adult being able to witness the situation, what happened at that moment was I went quiet because your your survival mode kicks in, you know, you're like a frightened animal, you know, don't move, you can get killed here. And I saw in the split second, do not ask for help, it's dangerous. And that's where that little belief system went into my brain, be quiet, you know, do it on your own, do not ask for help. So. I looked at that. I went, okay, that makes total sense. And that belief system served my entire life. It created me to be the woman I am today. And I like who I am today, but I no longer needed that particular belief system for the woman I am today because I wanted more. I wanted to be able to ask for help and not be fearful of it. I wanted to feel that vulnerability and know that I wasn't going to get hurt. And by Letting go of the need to only be that one way allowed me to be more. And it's not that I've lost my independence. It's not that I've lost my, I can take care of things, but I've become more. I can take care of things and I can ask for help. And I'm completely okay with asking for help. It's not, I don't feel like it's um, a weakness now. so that was that's that is like the long story of it so a belief system how we why we get why we have to let go of our belief systems is only because we've gotten to a place in our life that we don't like something if we like how everything is fine keep them you know it's just when we don't like the way something is then we have to get to the crux of what that belief system is and let that go it is really scary to change from one way of
0: thinking to another way of thinking for many people, and they may elect to stay in this uh situation that's no longer serving them for much longer than would be good for them how would you- how would you
1: address that you know we it, it's so true, and we stay with it because it's familiar right we know it we know that um my husband is going to react in this certain way or we know that you know this relationship with you know our family is a really big one right we many of us have had dysfunctional relationships with family we know that's that's the quote unquote the norm so yeah we stay with it but if you want more it it comes down to your choice do you want more happiness if you want more happiness then you have to consciously make that change and people think to let go is to have less. So that's what's scary. You're letting go of something. It, it, the, the words, let go, it means to release. So you think you're going to have less. But if we want to change our state of mind, if we want to bring happiness and balance and love into our life, to let go does not mean to have less, but it actually means that we're making room to become who we want to be.
0: As the creator of the let go, and we've talked now and and mentioned it several times in the interview, explain more about the let go and where it came from, the history, uh, a little bit more about it.
1: The let go is a term that I used when I trained horses. And when you're training a horse, you apply pressure to get them to move aside. Now, as a precursor, remember, a horse can feel a fly, one single fly on their back that's how sensitive they are so when you're training them to do something you apply pressure now i always say start with one so you can move to 10. so you start with one you apply the pressure the nanosecond the horse has the thought to move aside or do what you're asking them to do let's say move sideways Um, the nanosecond they have that thought you release the pressure so the tool to teach them was not the pressure itself, but the release of the pressure, because the release was the reward for them having the right thought. So I thought, okay, that works really well with horses. So what (laughs) what about humans? So I thought that's what we do too. The let go, the release is our reward to become more. And so that's in a nutshell, how the let go started. And I realized that we we as babies have you know we're these clean little surfaces and as we grow we get all the stuff that gets put upon us our belief systems our behaviors the stigmas society puts on us um, behavioral traits you know personality traits all this stuff gets put on us and we become who we are now here I am today a grown woman and I am feeling kind of stuck Stuck in my life, you know, nothing seems to be going right. Doors aren't opening for me. I'm not really happy. So what is it? So my my suggestion, and my belief is that we have to start letting go, and decluttering our soul, letting go of those things that aren't working for us. So what is that? We let go of our frustrations. We let go of our insecurities. We let go of our um, anger our vulnerabilities, our, you know, all, all that stuff. And people go, yeah, but then what? But then you feel, fill it, you fill that space with the things that are going to make you happy. You fill it with um, a quiet mind. You fill it with positive thoughts. You fill it with happiness. You fill it with uh, being around positive people rather than negative people. So it's I think the let go is really about Every single aspect of our lives, we have if we want to be happy, which everybody says they want to be happy, but happiness does not come from outside, happiness comes from inside. And if we want to be happy, we're the only people that can make us happy. So, how are we happy? We are happy if we let go of the things that make us unhappy. That's such a
0: good way. I love the decluttering, I'm a huge fan of decluttering. <laughs> yeah and, me too <laughs> i was like i'm a, i'm a born minimalist my kids always laugh about when i'm like no i like like plain walls we don't need to hang things and um when we previously spoke for, before the interview uh i've cre- i'm trying to create more white space that's my thing for the year mm-hmm. and a similar idea of I have white space that I have, I declutter, I get rid of stuff that I, I don't have to do, but I have sp- white space that I can do the things I wanna do. Mm-hmm. And that make me happy. So I've been working hard on my white space this year. Mm. I love that, I, I love that. That's my philosophy as well. Yeah, because you I mean you, like you said, you get rid of stuff that no longer serves you, but then you sit there and I'm thinking, people may be vulnerable when they do that and they may think oh who am i to do this what is my right to to uh, um, get these things or want these things like a better life a happier life
1: and they've and oftentimes okay. i hear okay wait wait, wait. So wait start, hold on to the rest of your thought but just that thought who am i to deserve so that's a huge belief system So that's, that, that's, that's the, that's a core one. So that person or those people, and, and you may need, people may need to have, I always call it a co-pilot. I did it solo, but I, you don't have to fly solo. It's, it's nice to have a co-pilot, somebody that you can talk to, but you have to get to that crux, that seed of where, where did that get planted that I don't deserve? Because you do deserve, we all deserve, we are enough and we deserve as much as we want. So that's the big one. I do not deserve is an enormous one that many people carry around. You know, I don't deserve money. You know, that's a big one. You know, how many people feel that? So many people feel that. I don't deserve happiness. I don't deserve a good job. I don't deserve a good husband. I don't deserve a good wife. You know, that's a big one. So I yep. that, that's where you need to start with that scenario. That's where I would start is is blowing apart the belief system that I don't
0: deserve. Yeah, which then comes in tow with uh, not good
1: enough, right? So the, they go hand in hand. Yeah, I don't deserve. I'm not good enough. They're they're married together. They're opposite sides of the seed.
0: Yeah, yeah. When you think about that we as in our 50s and 60s and older, we are setting a direction for younger generations. How do we empower them to be that way or have more of what we're just talking about today?
1: You know, I, I was reading something from the Dalai Lama the other day about um, aging. And his thing was, um, you have to start meditating you have to meditate and by meditating you know you can live longer and you know everything that he said and somebody said well can you start doing it when you're old and he said no you can't you have to start when you're young <laughs> and i had to laugh like you're laughing right? it's the dalai lama like nope you can't do that so so i thought okay but that's perfect because that's what i would tell younger people is Start decluttering now. So you're not carrying all this stuff with you into your 60s. If you're 30, start, you know, get a good therapist, start doing your inner work, start meditating, do start doing the inner gardening now and get rid of all those things. So just start now.
0: Yeah, absolutely. What would be be a way for you to recommend to start meditating?
1: You know, there's a, that, that's a huge subject and there's, um, you know, there's so many different ways to do it. When I was, I started doing yoga when I was 14. So in yoga, it's a very inward practice. So I always felt like I was meditating anyway. When I was 16, my brother as a gift to me for my 16th birthday, he gave me a transcendental meditation initiation. So that was my first formal training in meditation. And it's my go-to um it, it's it's my mantra it, it's my go-to however i meditate i do kundalini yoga i do um Ayangar yoga so i i meditate in many ways and the other day i was talking to a friend a buddhist friend and i said you know sometimes oftentimes not sometimes oftentimes life is a walking or waking meditation so if you can be mindful about everything you're doing so i was weeding the other day and i was mindfully weeding i wasn't thinking about what i needed to do i didn't you know at the store or i wasn't thinking about my laundry i wasn't thinking about an article i need to write or this podcast i was mindfully weeding on what what i was doing i was pulling it out in a way where i was getting the roots and that was a waking meditation so we can sit down and we can meditate, and there's there's lots of meditation groups out there. TM is a very um, easy, concise way to start, but I'm not you know I'm not advocating TM's the only way because there's many many ways. But I think the first thing to start with is just to become mindful, and that means you're stirring a pot of spaghetti, you know, and you are you are there, you are focused on the moment. You're present in the moment. And I think that's really the first way to start and a really wonderful way just to live your life. I agree. I was like, not keep thinking about all different things and pride yourself in multitasking. Oh my gosh, you know, it, they call it the monkey mind, right? Where the mind yes. says, well, but um, it's like, and we all have it, you know, people say, oh, you don't have the monkey mind. It's like, sure I do. You know, I just, I catch it earlier. You know, I don't let it consume me. I don't let it, um, you know, ru- take over my life. I it's like, okay, there it is. I better go do something to let go of the monkey mind. I better go do some yoga or take a walk or meditate or take a hot bath or something. Um Yeah. So you said TM, what does TM
0: stand for? Transcendental Meditation. Okay, because you said TM, and I'm sure not everybody knows the abbreviation. So I was like, okay, I better ask. Yeah, Transcendental
1: Meditation.
0: (laughs) So how can we as role models now steer our younger folks into the right direction of letting go of old belief system that they've been taught and I'm sure I've taught this to my daughter as well, that I've, that belief system that I grew up with, that some of that, that I let go of, but I did pass on to them. How can they move through steps to, to let go of that? Or how can we teach them?
1: I think the best way to teach is by example, for one. And um, the example that we as a generation of women and men can... Um, share is by is by doing the work you know by becoming by becoming who we want them to be basically and for me again it starts with our thoughts and because I, i believe our thoughts well i know for me my thoughts are the most powerful tool i have to create to design to manifest my own life and when when younger people are listening to older people speak they will hear things like you forget something oh that's a senior moment and you know I mean how many times do you hear that or like your knees hurt oh I'm getting so old my knees hurt or you know my back oh god it must be my age so you know I hear those things all the time (laughs) correct me if you don't and so I think right so stop that we need to stop that because you know what young people forget things and it's not a senior moment when they forget things young people when i was young my knees hurt if i over exercise my back hurt if i over exercise my quads hurt if i over exercise there are a lot of things that hurt in our bodies as we are living so why do we get to a certain age and then we blame it on our age we weren't blaming it on our age when we were 25 or 30. No, definitely not. It was just,
0: oh yeah, it was cool. Like, oh man, I really exercise hard. Right, exactly.
1: Yeah, it's like, oh, I'm so sore. Now it's like, oh, I really hurt. You know, what's the difference between, oh, I'm so sore, which is a good sore, to, oh, I really hurt. It's the same sore, you know, it's just... (laughs) you know what i'm saying so stop doing that because when a 30 year old hears a 60 year old or whatever 50 year old saying oh it's a senior moment oh it's my oh it's my old body then that's how they're projecting age yeah so we just have to stop that that's i think that's the number one thing we have to stop feeling like we're getting old instead of focusing on the aging aspect because we're all aging right as a baby we're counting the days so he's three days old he's 14 days old he's two months old he's two years old he's two and a half years old you know we're counting the age we think it's a good thing so then we get to a certain age and then oh it's a bad thing you know what is that invisible line that makes all of a sudden a natural thing aging now it's bad
0: yeah it's the oh i have a
1: round birthday next year Ooh. Yeah, but we loved turning 20, right? We loved turning 30. Yep. You know? so, so I say stop focusing on that. Stop focusing on the aging, but focus on the living. Look, look at all the wonderful things you're doing. Look at how fit you are. Look at how bright your mind is. And there are millions of us that are this way, but yep. we, have to, we have to focus on that. We have to focus on how we are living and not how we are aging. I like that a lot. Yep. Because yeah. we're all getting old, you know? I mean, uh, one day we're all going to die, too, but we're not focusing on the death. Nope. Not yet. <laughs> well, not yet, I'm at not, least. Not yet, right? <laughs> but, but whatever we want, we have to think about that. So if we want to age, to, if we want to feel old, focus all you want on how you feel old, and you will soon feel really old. But if you don't want that, don't focus on that. Yeah, I agree. Now, Sharice, how can
0: our listeners start to let go of what no longer serves them, but without feeling guilty? Because that's another big bucket of women carry around with them is guilt. So how do you let go of things that no longer serve you without feeling guilty? What could be some strategies?
1: Okay, so guilt is a is a it's a topic that I like to talk about because and it's a very short topic that I talk about. And I say, if you're going to feel guilty, don't do it. And if, if you're going to feel guilty, don't do it. And if um, now, I just completely forgot my thought. If you're going to feel guilty, don't do it. Um, And if you're going to do it, don't feel guilty. So if you're going to feel guilty, don't do it. And if you're going to do it, don't feel guilty. So once again, it's a choice. So if you want to
0: did go you on. post this on your
1: Instagram account? I probably did at some you point. You did. Yeah. I I remembered. I'm like, "Yes, of course." Yeah. So it's a choice again. So we want to let go. Okay. So what do we want to change? Um I want I I don't know. Give me a subject. We want to change something. So if you want, want to better change better friends. Better friends. Okay. I want to have better friends. So what are you going to feel guilty about letting go of the ones that are not good, letting go of the toxic ones, letting go of the ones that don't support you, letting go of the ones that demean you. So you're gonna feel guilty about letting go of those so that you can attract the ones that support you and that lift you up and make you feel good. What are you feeling guilty about? That you're letting go of the bad? If we have a a sock with a hole in it, we're gonna get rid of the sock with the hole in it and we're gonna get a new pair of socks. We don't feel guilty about getting rid of the sock with the hole in it. So again, if, if you want something, if you, if you want to be happy, you have to do what, something that makes you happy. And by having toxic friends or bad friends and it doesn't make you happy, then stay there and not be happy or change your friends and become happy. It's a choice. And if you wanna feel guilty about it, feel guilty all you want, but you don't have to. That also is a choice. And I know it sounds very blunt, but we have the power to change it. All you have to do is take that one little word away, guilt. If you don't feel, if you don't put guilt in the sentence, you're not going to feel guilty.
0: I love it. Because that's, that's how I feel about it too. It's all about choices. Mm -hmm. You choose how you live your life. You choose whether you're miserable. And some some things, I, I get it. There's It's not somebody's fault or not because of their actions. This is exter- external circumstances. But even then, you choose what you do about that.
1: Mm-hmm. Our reaction is the only thing we really have. I can't yeah. control what you're about to ask me, but I can control what I say about it.
0: True. That's, that's a very good way to observe it.
1: Yeah, I can't control that... You know, my father was, you know, my biological father was, you know, abusive in the way he was, but I had a choice in how I responded. My response early on was, do not call me if you're drunk. And I would hang up the phone and he'd call me back and he's drunk. I'd go, I'm sorry, I can't talk to you unless you're sober. And I'd hang up. That was my choice. That was my control of the situation. Because if I spoke to him, I knew it was going to be, uh, horrible, demeaning, abusive phone call. And I did not want that in my life because that did not bring me happiness. So my choice was not to talk to him. As we progressed in in life and he was getting to the end of his life, um, I I was able to see him. I I saw him very little in my entire life once my parents divorced. I probably saw him 10 or 12 times. Um, And before he died, this is kind of off subject, but kind of the same. So before he died, I, I went up to see him and I went up because I knew I was working, again, I was working on myself, inner, inner cleansing, and I wanted to love myself 100%. And everybody wants to love themselves and we all kind of think we do, but I hit on something and it may or may not be true for somebody else, but for me, it felt true. I wanted to love myself 100%, but I rejected my biological father. I, I didn't like so many things about him. I rejected, you know, some of his behaviors and this, that, and the other. Although I have a lot of him in me and a lot of him in me is what I like, but I rejected him. So I thought, how can I love myself 100% if I'm rejecting half of my DNA? And I had to come to terms with that. And what I realized was I had to look at him and spend time with him before he died, and look at him as a human being, not as a father. I no longer needed his approval, I didn't need his support, financial or emotional. I needed zero from him. so I went with an open heart um, into his space before he passed, and I spent time with him as a human being, and I observed him as a soul and the people around him that loved him and that his, his new wife and his friends. And I just observed him and I saw this wonderful human being that was really doing the best he was capable of doing. Now, was that to the level that I could have, quote unquote, judged him to be, how I wanted him to be, my expectations of who he should be, what a dad should have done? I let go of all the shoulds, the woulds, the couldas, and I just observed, watched, and loved him. And when he passed, I was so clean and clear about my relationship with him, and I felt full.
0: Nice. Nice that's an, an, a, a rewarding experience
1: mm-hmm. but that's about letting go of my expectation, right so that's one more thing of letting go. I was letting go of my judgment, I was letting go of my my hurts of my expectations, what he should have been. I was letting go of all that stuff, so what did it replace? I let go of that, and I was replaced with love. I was yeah. replaced with wholeness, so i 'm not less because I let go of it i'm actually more. Because I was able to fill it with this lightness and this love. I love that. Any final thoughts for our listeners? Uh, just do it. Just you know, just <laughs> just go clean your house. You know, do your inner housekeeping and and be brave. You know, have a brave heart and go look inside and be honest with yourself and. And nobody's there looking at it with you, you know, so you, you, you don't have to be embarrassed about it. You don't have to be ashamed about it. Don't judge yourself for sure. Don't judge yourself about any of it because we're just a product of, of, you know, how we were raised, but just be brave, go, go look inside and just get rid of all that stuff that, that you don't need anymore. I love it. I have a few
0: quickfire questions for you. Ready? Mm-hmm. What does it mean for you to stay healthy?
1: Oh gosh, think good thoughts, drink lots of water and exercise. What values are most important to you? Uh, Integrity, kindness, compassion. What is one of your strongest habits? Thinking good thoughts um, and being kind. What is the biggest risk you ever took? Looking inside and accepting my father. That's amazing. So, Cherise, with that, how can people reach you, learn more about you, and get in touch with you? Um, They can reach me on my website, www.theletgo.com or on Instagram at letgo underscore now, and on Facebook, The Let Go by Charisse Glenn. And on all of those, there's an email link that you can. That so it covers all the important social media outlets. Perfect. yeah I'm on, I'm on all of them. I'm on Twitter too, but not really. <laughs> Well, Cherise, it was
0: a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much for sharing all you know and can share about the let go of old belief system. Yeah.
1: Thank you. It was really a blast. It always goes by so quickly. But be <laughs> safe, be smart, wear your mask, and this will all pass soon enough. I.
0: We all keep our fingers crossed. Thank yes. you, Cherise.
1: Right. Thank you very much. Have a good day.
0: You too. So what do you think? Are you ready to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and shed those old beliefs? Please reach out to us on Instagram at Heike Yates or at the Pursue Your Spark podcast and let us know what you thought of the episode. What are the first steps or step that you are going to take to shed those old beliefs and move forward? We'd love to hear from you. With that, I'll see you next time on the Pursue Your Spark podcast. Ciao!